Hey everyone, welcome to a fun new monthly series on the Allie on the Run show. I am your host, Allie Feller, and today I have a co-host. I am super excited to be joining forces with Matt Chittum, host of the Rambling Runner podcast and the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast. Matt and I have been running podcast host friends, thanks to the internet, for a while now, and in the spirit of focusing on connection and community this year, we wanted to find a way to do something fun together. So enter Ramblings on the Run with Allie and Matt. Clever title, right? Our goal with this new monthly series is to bring the conversations we have over the phone to you. Matt and I have loved brainstorming with each other, chatting about all things running and podcasting, and doing what we can to support each other. So why not add a little more structure, throw in a listener Q&A segment, and call it an episode? That's what this is. This is the first episode in the new Ramblings on the Run with Allie and Matt series, and you can find it on both our podcast platforms this month. Obviously, if you're listening here, hey, you found it. Good job. I'm sure we'll be playing and tweaking and experimenting as we go, so let us know what you think, but give it a listen first. You ready? Let's get rambling on the run. All right, it is the first official episode of Ramblings on the Run with Allie and Matt. Matt, I'm so excited that we're doing this. This is great. You know, we had talked a couple times about, hey, we should do something together and it's like we both knew that we wanted to do something, but you know we didn't want to force it, and nothing really came to mind. And then finally, we just kind of had—I think it was like on the same day too—we just kind of both hit us like, "Let's do a monthly show like this," and it really kind of came together very quickly after that. It did. I know that's what I love about um, working with fellow super motivated people. I think we had one call, and now here we are. So we have a lot to get into today. We're going to do some rambling, some on the run. We're going to cover all the bases. But figured we could just give everyone a little overview of what we're doing here, which is we're going to talk about a little bit of everything that I think we're both really passionate about, which is stuff that we're doing as podcast hosts, stuff we're doing in the running industry, stuff we're seeing in the running industry. And then, of course, we're doing a whole bunch of listener Q&A. So every episode, we'll be answering listener questions, which I know that we'll both be putting out on Insta stories, in our Facebook groups, in our our Patreon communities. So we'll always be looking for people to submit questions there. But I think that I speak for both of us when I say that we will always take your questions, send us DMs, whatever you want. And we're going to always get to as many of these as we can. So we've got a good lineup for this first show. I'm ready if you are. Let's do it. All right. So the first thing we're going to dive into, I want to talk about something, and we'll do this on every episode, which I think will be really fun, something that has resonated with you, Matt, that you produced this month. What's something you're super jazzed about looking back at January? Yeah, I would say, I don't know about you, but it was hard to pick one because I felt like I was like leaving out. So I was like, (laughs) so for me, it was like, should I do this one or this one or whatever? And I would say it's probably the most recent podcast that I put out. It was on the uh, Road to the Olympic Trials feed. It was with Neely Spence Gracie. And for those of you who don't know, she was one of the best runners basically in the country from 2015 to early 2017 and was just killing it. She was you know, one of the best marathoners in the country. Everything pointed to her being basically having kind of the, one of the top people who would be preparing for the 2020 Olympic trials and the Olympics and, and all of those things. And she was a former D2 athlete who absolutely killed it. So I think it was one of those people that a lot of people gravitated towards because she kind of had that underdog thing. You know, she didn't go to Oregon or Arkansas or something like that. And she's just so engaging and she connects with so many people. So it seems like so easily and she's so creative. Anyway, I had her on the show because she just qualified for her third Olympic trials and she did it at the Houston Marathon. It was her first race, shoot, basically in like a year and a half, almost two years, because she hadn't raced since giving birth to her son, Athens, and you know didn't race while she was pregnant with him either. So it was her first race in such a long time, and that was not by design. And she just battled so many injuries and you know postpartum stuff. And it's, it was such an interesting conversation with her, not only because she had this kind of atypical route to her third Olympic trials qualifying time, but even in the buildup itself, it was so atypical. She, you know, 
even as late as you know November, it was like, is this even going to happen? Can she even complete a marathon? Never mind run sub two forty five. And this is someone who you know was in the in the low two thirties just a couple of years ago, and just just her her rawness and her candor and her insight. It really connected with me personally in the conversation. It seemed like connected with a lot of other people as well. And I don't, I don't know about you, Allie, but it's, you know, my a lot of my podcasts aren't necessarily designed to talk to elite runners. It's much more about the amateur runners. But this was one of those conversations where I felt like runners of all abilities could, you know, empathize. Sorry, I could empathize with where she was coming from, and then also connect and maybe even draw parallels with their own lives. I love that. And I'm just going to copy your answer because I have Neely on this week too, which is so fun. I know that she's like, we're all so excited for her right now. And it stands out what you just said that she's so relatable because she talked about this during our conversation too, that she was like, I feel like I can relate to so many more runners, like that she's always been able to relate to her fellow pro athletes and elite athletes, right? But she's like, now I'm a mother runner and it's this whole new community to me. And and I know that that has been helpful for her, but it's also helpful for me. Like for us everyday runners to see that an elite athlete doesn't always bounce back 10 days after giving birth and is back racing and is back running in a sports bra. Like it's so... I hate to say that her struggles are refreshing because that's certainly not the right word. And I wish that she hadn't had any struggles, but I think that for all of us moms and dads, but especially for moms who have been through pregnancy, childbirth, coming back from that to know that not every person, not every woman's story follows this beautiful, like I started running again at six weeks and everything's been great. Um, I think you're right. I think that really resonates with a lot of people and and it's it's nice to see that not every uh, postpartum return is beautiful and wonderful and filled with PRs left and right. Yeah, and oftentimes when things don't go kind of according to our predetermined plans, we can think back to okay, then I must have made a mistake along the path here, right? And then okay, well let's what's the mistake? Let's fix the mistake and move forward. And I think her story was a little different because even as you you go through it, she didn't make any mistakes, right? It's like she spent so much, she spent so much time being conservative and really trying to make sure that she was taking the most conservative timeline that she could. And that wasn't in relative terms to like, okay, here's what the best athletes did and I'll do something slightly less aggressive. It was like, wow, you know, she detailed it. Like it was very, very conservative for any runner. And she still got injured and she still dealt with things. And, you know, even like nine months later, she still had a stress fracture, even though she had backed off. And it was so interesting to hear, like here she's running like 40 miles a week and got a stress fracture. This is a woman who was running hundred miles a week. And it was interesting to me as someone who, you know, has made plenty of mistakes in my own life to see someone who say, Hey, I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve in the timeline I was hoping to. And I can't even look back and say, okay, I would change X, Y, Z, because it's it's just so interesting that sometimes things are just out of our hands and sometimes things are just going to happen. And in those circumstances, acceptance is just so much harder when it's so much easier to just be able to point a finger at something or somebody. But sometimes you just can't do that. And it's like, oh, this makes it so much harder to deal with. Yeah, it's like... I would love to just be able to say like, oh, my hip's a little achy right now and I blame my foam roller. Well, no, I have to blame myself because I didn't use my foam roller. So yeah, it would be easier to uh, to place blame somewhere. But uh, yeah, all that to say that I think Neely has this beautiful story. And if you haven't heard the episode, she's, she's on both our shows this week. And I know she said she was doing a couple other podcasts. So lots of Neely coming, which is well-deserved because that woman has had a, a heck of a journey. So super, super excited for her. Yeah. It's funny that we both chose the same thing. The other part, I guess I would just like, I'll, I'll throw in another one just in there because I had two that I was choosing between. And a lot of it for the same reasons was uh, my episode with Rachel Shilkowski. Oh, love who her. had been training for the marathon for a long time, and she was formerly a um, you know a steeplechaser and had retired from steeplechasing. Those are her words, not mine. Um, and she, uh, I don't even know if retired from steeplechasing is the correct phrase, but um, but you know what I mean. And you know she 
basically had kind of fallen out of love with the marathon. And it's funny because, you know, this is someone who won the Hartford Marathon, who had run really well and had put in a ton of time. And then, you know, here come the Olympic trials. She's getting ready for it. And she's like, you know what? I'm I'm veering back. I'm going back to my first love, which was uh, the steeplechase. And I'm going to try to qualify for the trials there. And it was so funny because I think a lot of us, again, this is elite runners who are going through the same thing that so many everyday runners like you and I go through. Of There's this gravity around the marathon of, you know, if you're running, you know, a lot of people do the marathon. It's this distance where you feel like, okay, I can do it. It's, you know, it's, 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 if I'm working hard enough, I know I can prepare for it. It's a, a, it's a distance that non-runners can identify with. So you can talk to your family about it or your friends about it who might not be engaged in the running community. It's also, you know, very difficult. You know, you have to really battle, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And that's part of the allure of it. And it was, you know, I know I've struggled with this idea of like, I just don't really like the marathon just doesn't fit me, but I always keep coming back to like, but I probably should keep trying anyway. And it was so interesting to hear an elite runner going through the same mental gymnastics and then deciding, you know what? No, I know myself and I'm just going to lean into that. Yeah. And I'm going to put a PSA out there for everyone listening that, uh, you do not have to run a marathon to be a runner. You can, you don't even have to run a race to be a runner. I love to just remind people of that because I think you're right. There's so much glory around the marathon and let's not forget the 5k is freaking awesome. So I'm all, I'm like team 5k big time and team mile right now. So yeah, team uh, mile, you just killed it. Team Yes. Mile. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Actually, let's do that. So I want to talk about we're let's talk about life on the run. How's it going on the run for you right now? How are you feeling? Well, I have so first of all, I I sprained my ankle on September 17th. <laughs> God, this was so long ago. Anyway, I I'm like I'm like the person, I'm the only I say this of all the people in America who don't have a PhD in medicine. I feel like I know the ankle the best because I have sprained my ankles so many times. I have broken them so many times. I've had ankle reconstructive surgery on an ankle. I actually was told when I had that I could pick the ankle because they were both equally messed up. So I feel like if anyone was destined to come back from an ankle injury quickly, it would be me because, shoot, I've done it so many darn times. This ankle injury was so befuddling because it turned out Again, after months of figuring this out, it was actually more of a bone bruise and I tweaked the nerve kind of behind the inside of the ball of my foot on my right side. And all the stuff that I learned how to deal with ankle injuries, you know, that that are a typical sprain, basically, it was like I was picking the scab of this injury and it just took forever. So I say that to say I'm now healthy. It only took four months, four months of an ankle injury, which should have been like, you know, a lot less. But I'm happy to say I'm back running. Last week, I ran like every other day, which was really enjoyable. And, you know, I'm obviously not in great shape. And I put on, you know, a pretty good amount of weight during those four months. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to get back into it. But ultimately, I'm back running. And I'll tell you what, man, nothing makes you like running more than not running. Absolutely. Oh, I can agree with that. And as you're talking about your like million ankle injuries, I know there's a lot of ways to injure the ankle, but I'm picturing you just walking around every day, like falling off of curbs and tripping and like falling, getting out of your car and just being a total walking disaster and constantly hurting your ankle by really comical ways, which I know isn't totally the reality, but that's what I'm going to picture in my head. I love that. Yeah, I'm basically Mr. Glass of ankles at this point. Um, yeah, it was actually, I was playing, it was the day after a race, I was playing soccer with my son in the backyard and I like did you know, did some move and I, com- and I completely turned my ankle over to the outside and I was like, it was hysterical because like I turned over my ankle. I was in so much pain. I didn't swear, but I was like very mad and very like, this, you know, when you, when you do something like that, like you can't really control what's coming out of your mouth because you're in so much pain. So I had the double like distinction of not only being in pain, but then being yelled at for like not using curse words, but not the best words like in front of my son. I'm like, I wasn't trying to do that. I wasn't, you know, that wasn't the goal. But um, 
it was so funny. I was like, I hope he doesn't repeat, you know, any of these phrases, but it was, uh, it wasn't the best, it wasn't the highlight of my moment. So it was like one of those things where you're like, oh God, like not only did I hurt myself, but like, I really, you know, I probably didn't need to say like, you know, again, we weren't curse words, but it was like that gray area. And if it was like my daughter who was seven, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal, but my son's four. And you're like, I hope he doesn't repeat this at daycare. I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay well i am so happy that you're back on the run and feeling good i i was feeling good i ran a 555 mile at orange theory my big goal for this year was to run a sub six mile and my goal was not to specifically do it outside i know that that's what i would technically consider a pr so this to me is like just a really cool i don't know i don't consider a time on a pr on a treadmill necessarily a pr but uh orange theory if anyone listening does Orange Theory, which I know a lot of people do, every now and then they do these benchmark workouts. So run your fastest mile, row your fastest 400 meters. All the rowing challenges are stupid. I hate them, but I love the running ones. And so I went for it, went for sub six, did it. So I'm good. I can check off one of my 2020 goals in January and that feels good. But now I'm like a little tight, a little achy. My physical therapist said it's because I don't breathe all day. She says I'm too stressed and I don't breathe right. And that's making my whole body injured. So, um, Dude, sure, whatever. You don't, I, 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 that, that sort of thing, it drives me up a wall. I'm sure your physical therapist is probably right, but you're like, wait, hold on a second. I'm not breathing correctly. Like what, how much of this stuff has to be learned, right? Like, is there anything that can be just born knowing how to do? So everything that she explained to me made such perfect sense. Like she's so brilliant and I love her. And she was like explaining to me, she's like, you know, you, when you breathe, you're such a shallow chest breather and it's pulling on your lower back and you have a sway back. Like I, from being a dancer, I have such a bad, horrible sway back. Like I stick my butt out and she's like, and so you're going to feel tight here in here. And I was like, that's correct. And so she's trying to give me techniques to become more of a stomach breather than a chest breather. Meanwhile, I'm like, dude, just give me a massage. Like I'm not here for your lecture. And so she gave me a massage and then I complained the whole time because it hurt. So I'm really a delightful patient and we have a lot of fun during those appointments. But um, she said, it's not an injury. It's just, I'm just like super tight. I also don't stretch. I don't foam roll. I don't do any of the things that everyone on both of our shows talks about doing to make them better runners. Like I have a wealth of knowledge that I don't put to good use at all. So um, really, really admirable um, leader in the running community is me, Allie Feller. Well, can I, let me just say, first of all, that I think a PR on a treadmill is harder than a PR outside. And I say no, this, well, no way. I, I'm one of those people. Cause I think there's like two camps, like for me, and this isn't like specific treadmills. Like this isn't like specifically related to like my treadmill. I have like run on many treadmills in my life. For me, I'm one of those runners that running on a treadmill is significantly harder than running outside. So if you told me, all right, do this track workout or, Hey, run your fastest time for this many minutes or run your fastest mile or two mile, or three mile. You can do it outside or on the treadmill. I would do it faster outside every single time. It's just, I don't know if it's like my gait or just needing to see different things around me or if I get too hot inside. I don't know what it is, but I've always been significantly slower and or like can't run at certain paces equally than I would on, you know, running outside. So if I were you and I got this, I'd be like, all right, I'm not only did I run a PR, but I'm converting my 555 to 545 for bragging purposes. <laughs> so, I mean, I get what you're saying. And I think I was like that before I started doing Orange Theory. Before Orange Theory, I wouldn't touch a treadmill. Like I was all outside all the time. I was on the track. I think it was just the atmosphere. It's something I do every day. And so I'm I'm used to it and I'm comfortable and I run at those speeds. So it's not like I go for a run and I look at my watch at the end and I'm like, what pace was that? I know more what I'm capable of by just kind of, we say, set it and forget it, right? So I set the pace and I forgot about it, covered it up and just ran. And I think I wouldn't have been able to do that on my own outside. I think if I were with a group, if it were part of like the Fifth Avenue Mile and there was just all this great hype and energy, then 
maybe I could. I would like to think I could, but I think that for for that day, it was um, it worked out for me. So good day on the run. So are we even going to do this segment going forward? Like you've already achieved your running goal for 2020. Like yeah, no, forget like it. 35, yeah, like 35 seconds into the new year. So like, are we done with this segment from now on? I guess. And that was my only, like I have tons and tons of goals for 2020, but that was my only running goal. So I don't know if I want to make a new one or if I can just say like, no, I'm good there. And I can just focus on the other 45 goals I made. So <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let's talk about, let's move into our next segment. What is something that you are loving right now that you did not do, produce, make? So what can you talk about that someone else is doing or something else that you're loving? Yeah, this was, man, like, I hope this gets easier as we continue to do these episodes because this was really hard to decide. Um, I would, it's actually, I want to pick an article that I really liked. Um, it's by uh, Sarah Butler for Runner's World. Um, and it was about Amy Craig. So Amy Craig is the title. Amy Craig is very much still in it. Thank you for asking. And I like this article for a <laughs> lot of reasons. First of all, it touched on, first of all, what's going on with Amy Craig? Because in 2019, you know, she ran two races. They both didn't go well. She didn't run the Chicago Marathon. She's been dealing with well, no one really knows what she was dealing with because she's such a private person. And here is, you know, someone who won the 2016 Olympic trials, has run well for so long, has just been at the top of her field for just so long. And she's only 36 years old. She, if healthy, is one of the favorites in the Olympic trials later, you know, later this month in February. And no one kind of knew what was going on with her. And it was just so nice to get an article uh, detailing not only what her current status is, and she's up to 130 miles a week and running with the Bowerman Group and so on and so forth, but what had what had happened in the past that led to you know her for you know for her subpar performances and not making the starting line. And I thought Sarah did a great job of detailing all of it. And as someone who's just a fan of the sport in general, I've been wondering what's been going on with Amy for quite a while, and it's it was so nice to see. You know, not only, you know, that she's going to be healthy and ready to roll in Atlanta, but okay, what exactly happened in the past and what did she do to try to improve her training? And, you know, what did she do to to kind of get ready for Atlanta? Because obviously that's a big deal for her. And uh, it seems like things are going the way she's wanted them to go for the last two to three months. And if that's indeed the case, she's going to be ready to roll in Atlanta because this is the course this is the other thing that I that I loved watch, loved consuming this week was just the everyone's digestion of the uh, the course map of Atlanta. So not only we, we've known the map for a while, but kind of the topographical uh, construction of the race course. And the, uh, the the line was you're either going up or you're going down. And what do I know? But it seems to me that that sort of race course is going to benefit people who have a lot of marathons in their legs because this is going to be an absolutely grueling test. So I think someone like Amy Craig, who has so much history in this event and has succeeded for so long and just has that lifetime fitness of marathon running is probably, again, all things being equal, maybe better served and on that course than say someone like Emily Sisson and Jordan Hesse, who I'm using them as examples because they haven't run nearly as many marathons as Amy and are roughly, you know, the same speed and talent as, as Amy. You know, they have similar PRs and they've run similar marathon times. And I just feel like this course will end up helping people with a little bit more experience and longer runs in their legs. And I feel like Amy, if she is as healthy as it's portrayed in this article, really vaults to the top of the field. And that would be a really exciting development. Absolutely. And that was a really good piece. I think we'll we'll link to that in the show notes here. But one thing that stood out too from that piece was that I I remember I had Amy on my show maybe two years ago. And it was like right before she was supposed to run the Chicago Marathon. The episode comes out the week before. I'm pretty sure the same day it came out, word comes out that she announced she was not going to be running. I was like, damn it, Amy. But I think that we're so used to, you know, we say, oh, we don't hear from her much. We're dying to know what's going on. And it's because these runners are so accessible to us now. We hear them on podcasts every week. We see them on social media. Like some of them are so active and update so much. And Amy, I think, said in the article too that 
it never worked for her. Like social media was a distraction. She didn't really feel that it was adding to her life and that she was better off just stepping away from it and doing her thing, which power to her. I Sometimes I envy that life. Uh, but I thought that was interesting that like we're so desperate for this update, whereas 10 years ago, before all of the social media and all of the access we have now, everyone would have been quiet and there still would have been hype, but we would have been dying for updates from everyone. And now she's this like total outlier that like, oh, Amy's quiet and mysterious. And, uh, you know, we, we just are craving any little word from her. Whereas, you know, if we go back a decade, that would have been the case for, I think, everyone. So it was good to get that update. And Sarah, of course, is a brilliant writer, reporter, and a great voice for the women's running community, especially. And not only that, I thought it was an interesting line in here that talked about how part of the reason that social media didn't work for her was that when she was at the starting line, she was less confident because of what she'd consumed on social media regarding like the other runners in the field and things like that, which is like, you're like one of the best runners of this generation. It was so like enlightening to me that it had that effect of like of all the people who should be impervious to that sort of distraction and the distraction is not the right word, but that, that kind of negative effect on their, you know, mental performance, I would have picked her like, pretty close to the top of the list and it was so interesting like wow man like again just like we talked about with neely like these people are not impervious to the same things that can affect all of us non-elite runners yeah uh stars they're just like us elite runners they're just like us i mean talk about being relatable look most of us are not out to win these races but i think that many of us have felt that on a starting line looking around and wondering like oh did they train more than I did? Or, oh, I saw on social media, someone someone only did a 72-hour taper. I did a three-week taper, like totally questioning. So yeah, it is, it's almost refreshing to hear that from literally the fastest female American marathoner right now. So yeah, there you hey, go. take a lesson out of her book, people. If you need to shut off the social media, whether it's before a big race or just in general, turn it off. So how about you? What did you consume that you really were into? Oh, yeah. What am I loving? Okay, so this was actually something I saw on Strava, and it's just something that made me so happy. So I know there's so much hype around the Olympic marathon trials because they're coming up just exactly a month from the day that we're recording this, which is super exciting. So the the women especially. I Yes, I'm all in for the elites. I am so excited to see who our three women are that will be representing the United States at the Olympics. I am cheering for so many of them. But what I am really loving is seeing so 500 women will be running in the trials, which is a record number. It's so exciting. What I'm loving is seeing these women who are working full-time, who are qualifying and running these times and putting in 15-mile tempos before work. There's a lot of them here in New York City, which is where I am, and it's really cool to watch these women come together. A lot of women who run in New York run for our local clubs and teams, whether it's New York Athletic Club, Brooklyn Track Club. Um, there's, there's so many teams here that you can be a part of. And one thing that I saw this weekend was a whole group of women who are going to be running at the trials. This group includes uh, Leanne Sherrick. It includes Harriet Kelly, Sarah Cummings, a lot of names that some of us might have gotten to know over the years. They all did a long run, like a 16-mile long run at, I think, a 6.26 pace, and they all did it together. And these women don't usually train together. They all run for different teams in the city. When they're on the start line at our local races, they are for sure competing against each other. And it was so cool to see them all decide to do a training run together. And I think just this energy and camaraderie leading up to the trials is so cool and exciting to me. And it just makes me feel like this is what running is. This is what this community is about. It's about chasing down these dreams that we have and coming together to achieve them because there's that quote that's like if you you know if you want to run something go alone if you want to run far forever i'm butchering this quote but it's about that you can go further together and so to see these women and again it was just like i happened to see it on strava 
and was like, wait, but she runs for the distance project and she's New York Athletic Club and she's Brooklyn Track Club. And like they all ran together. And that just warms my heart and makes me extra excited to be at the trials cheering, not just for who will be our eventually eventual top three runners, but for every woman on that line, because they all have a story of what got them there and why that was a dream for them. And I'm loving learning these stories and just seeing especially women come together to get faster. And, you know, the the qualifying time has gotten faster over the years, um, you know, about a minute at a time. And these women are chasing it down. They're not afraid of it. They're going after these fast times. And I think they're seeing a lot of value in working together to get there. So um, I love, I love love. I love cheesy things. I love friendship. And so that was like everything to me to see that post. And so uh, that is my thing I'm psyched about right now. Yeah, that is really cool. Because, you know, like you mentioned, like they, they're not on the same teams and, and all of that stuff. And I think it also speaks to just the broader point of how galvanizing the Olympic trials has become for the running community. You know, you have this subset of runners who either, you know, qualify for the Olympic trials, who have worked so hard for it. And it's now kind of become its own Boston Marathon qualifying time, in a sense. You know, getting that Boston Marathon qualifying time has been, you know, a goal for so many for so long. It had been kind of this benchmark for people who are, you know, kind of taking the the leap from, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to phrase this correctly, but kind of taking the leap from, okay, I love running and I want to be engaged with it to like, okay, I want to take this really seriously and I have some high-level goals. And I think getting a Boston Marathon qualifying time is definitely a high-level goal for any runner. And then there's this smaller subset of runners who, you know, who are working, again, full-time, where running is not providing them an income but who also have high-level running goals. And that's always been kind of a tough group to be in because it's always like, why do this, right? Like, why is it important for me to be a 245 marathoner as opposed to a 255 marathoner? Like, what's the, what's the positive benefit of working so hard to drop that time? And I think all of these people have been able to kind of form this community around not only the running itself, but the dedication required and the community required because running at that at that high level takes so much time and mental energy that without some sort of community, either in person or digitally, it really gets hard to kind of maintain that for the long term. So it really is nice to see that there's people engaging in you know that that in-person community, especially in an urban area like New York. Where things, again, there's so many people, but it can also have that lonely feeling. Oh, yeah. So it's nice to see people really engaging in that way. Yeah. And I know that there's all this hype around the trials. And I know that especially on both of our shows, we're talking to so many people who will be running there or who we're trying to. I had a really interesting conversation yesterday with actually a handful of listeners who listen to my show. And we were talking about all the hype around the trials. And they were like, you know, it's not like it's really cool and it's exciting for them, but it's not relatable. And I kind of took a step back and I'm like, okay, let's take a look at this. And I realized that the way that I'm looking at all of these stories isn't, oh, she runs a 244. So she's, she's cool because she's fast or she's, you know, better than all the rest of us that I look at it as, can I relate to their speeds, their paces, their workouts? Definitely not. But the way that I see so many of these stories is that these women have a dream and a goal and they're doing everything they can to chase it down. And sometimes there's disappointment along the way and rarely does it come easy. And so I think that's what I'm loving about all of this trial stuff and all this hype is it's not to me, it's not the time. And I can say that because I'm not trying to run a very specific one, but as a fan of the sport, that's what I think makes it so special is to see people having a dream and that running dream can be anything. It doesn't have to be an OTQ, a BQ, any kind of Q. It can be sub five, sub six. It can be a couch to 5K. And I think that's the beauty of running. And that's what brings us all back together is that we all have a goal and speed is relative. So I think it's just important to... Um, to remember that with all of this trials hype, which is so exciting, and I know that I am just pumped about it all and so excited for these women and excited to be there to cheer, um, 
that there's so many things that they're all doing that we can apply to our own lives, our own running and our own goals. So there's a lot of really, I think, beautiful stuff to take away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I like both. I love both sides of it. Like I love seeing excellence for excellence sake. Right. Like I love watching a great race where someone has the race of their life. It's so exciting. The time blows your mind. It's like, holy cow. Like, again, this isn't running specific. Like the same thing would happen if like I went and saw or watched on TV, like, uh, you know, basketball player score 50 points. Right. Or someone hit like three or four home runs or someone in soccer score a hat trick or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I feel like excellence for excellence sake for me is compelling, but equally compelling and in a different way, is the story behind the athlete. And that's why I love those like 30 for 30 documentaries. And that's why I started the podcast in the, in the beginning anyway, was kind of getting understanding those, you know, biographical feature type stories of people who are, um, I guess, I, people that I find to be exciting or interesting, no matter their running speed. And I feel like there are people who I've interviewed who are objectively speaking, not fast runners who are, you know, wonderful people in the running space that I could talk to for hours about running. I've also interviewed people who are some of the fastest people in the world who are like, they're wonderful people, but they're not the best podcast interview. You know what I mean? So I feel like (laughs) you have these both both kinds of stories. All right. Well, don't spoil too much because we actually have questions about that. So we're going to get into the listener Q&A, which uh, this will be a big chunk of all these episodes. I'm super excited to get into these. And we'll try to stick to a theme on every episode. And today's, it felt like it made good sense to answer a lot of the podcast-related questions. So in the 20, 20 or so minutes that we've got left here, let's see if we can get through 10 of these questions, which thank you so much to everyone who sent your questions in. We will do our best to get to as many as we can on every episode. So ready? Let's do it. All right. I'm stretching. It feels good. This is the most that I've stretched in like three years. So let's kick it off. How did you two decide to collaborate on this podcast? Yeah, um, I would say I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. So I kind of, you know, beat you to the punch on this one in a a sense. But, you know, we have we had the kind of conversations, first of all, offline that I always enjoyed first of all. And and I've had these same kind of conversations with Lindsay Hine and Carrie Tolson and Tina Muir and Chris Chavez and Mario Fraioli as well, where it's like, you know, just talking about what we're doing and the running community in general, I found these conversations to be like the highlights of my week. I loved them so much. And then talking with you, it flowed so naturally. And I've been a fan of yours for a while that I was like, you know, and I think, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think you had the same sense. Like, it would just be great to work together, but in a way that, you know, was sustainable and productive and wasn't just like a one-time thing and figuring out what that would be. But for me, it was just like, I love talking about this kind of stuff, but I really wasn't doing it in a way that was um, kind of podcast ready and figuring out a way to do that with someone that I found to be, you know, just so engaging and, you know, that I was just a fan of anyway, that, that for me, that was uh, the impetus behind it. Yeah, I agree. I don't even think I have anything to add. Well, I'll add this. I will say that, you know, you obviously just mentioned a handful of names in the running podcast space, and that's just a fraction. There's so many now, which is so great. I think it's great for the running community. I think it's great for us as hosts. I think it elevates us all to keep being better and to keep finding our voice and figuring out what makes each of our shows unique and special and what do we want to do and hope to get. And I think I love the word collaborate and a big focus of mine for this year is collaboration, connection, and community. And so to do something like this just feels like a no-brainer because I think you can look at other people doing the same thing that you're doing or doing something similar and you can either say, that's my competition, or you can say, that's my community. And I think that there can be elements of both, but I think to be able to come together and do something that we both do because we love it, I mean, there's just such joy in that. Like I I am struggling knowing that we only have a little bit of time left in this because yes. I will sit here with you all day and just talk because I, I, I love it and I know that you do too. And so I think that it's just fun. Like, you know, there's no... Um, 
yeah, it's just cool to sit down with someone who does the same thing and to brainstorm. And like you said, we have these conversations offline. And um, even before we started recording, we were talking about like just nerdy little recording things and, you know, editing. And it's fun to have that. And I appreciate so much having that and having people in my community that I can have those conversations with. So um, I'm super grateful for it. Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't include Jonathan Lovett there if for no other reason than uh, shoot, I talked to him yesterday about this exact same kind of thing. All right. So, Hi, John. No, yeah, there you go. Exactly. All right. So that's good. Question number two. What do you hope to get from the partnership versus your individual podcast? Yeah. So I think that with this collaboration, like we were saying, this is something that this is obviously a totally different format than what either of us are doing. And I don't, I mean, maybe you do. I don't have a long game here. I just am excited to be collaborating with someone that I can talk to that we know we'll have this conversation at least once a month, that it's equal parts celebration, like getting to celebrate the cool things we've done this month. It's brainstorming. It's collaborative. And so for me, it's not like, oh, I hope to increase my own listenership by X amount. I haven't checked my stats in like a month. Maybe I should be better about that. But for me, it's more of getting to work with someone that I think is a great voice in the space. I think that it is so important to elevate women's voices in the conversation and to keep raising our voices in sport. I also think, and this is something that I've so appreciated from you for so long, Matt, is you've always been so supportive of the women's running community and and men's running as well. But it's rare to see a male voice who is so encouraging about women, who gives them a platform, who encourages them. And you've always been that, not just for the guests that you have on your show, but for the women who are podcasting. You've always been such a champion for all of us. And that's something I'm grateful for. And it's something where I hope other men continue to follow suit. And so to get to uh, team up for this, that's, you know, that's the highlight for me. Well, I'm glad this isn't a video podcast because my face is as red as my shirt right now because <laughs> of my blushing. Um, but I, first of all, thank you for saying that. But I think the other piece for me, and I agree with everything you just said, uh, especially the nice things about me. I agree wholeheartedly with that <laughs> stuff. But um, but I would say this too, is that for me, I always like to um, you know kind of experiment a little bit, not huge experiments, but little ones. And to like, all right, does this... Does this work? Is this something that I can, you know, do for the foreseeable future and things like that? Because I think it's it's easy for me to kind of get into a rhythm with either certain kinds of guests or certain kinds of shows and so on and so forth. And I really, you know, recently, I'd say in the last six months or so, I've really tried to branch out a little bit and see if there's different kinds of shows and podcast types that work. And, you know, maybe it would be a, a nice thing to do. So, you know, this is for me is like, all right. We're not viewing it as like, you know, a test. Like we're we're planning on doing this for a long time, but we thought about it for a while, right? Because we really wanted to try something new, you know. And like I did the same sort of thing with those rerun episodes, where it's kind of like, um, you know, where you know me and a guest or two will rewatch a classic a classic race and then come together and do a podcast about that race and try to provide you know analysis and hopefully some witty banter around it. And I was like, okay, like this is something new. Will it work? And I think you know that's that's worked out well. And I have no doubts that this will this will work. But for me, it's just the idea of trying to you know do something new. Also, trying to do something that I personally find engaging. So I have found when I do things in the podcast space to achieve some sort of like business goal, it's almost always been counterproductive. Whereas if I do things that I'm genuinely excited about and really want to do, the vast majority of those things have been productive. And I would definitely put this partnership in the latter category. Yeah. As I was typing these questions out, I literally in my head, I was like, oh, I want to talk about how Matt's willing to try a lot of stuff. And I like to do that too. And then of course, I blank, but you said that beautifully. And I agree. Like you've done Road to the Olympic Trials, the rerun series. I love doing series on my show. It's something I'm really passionate about. And 
And yeah, I just wanted to second everything you said and say that I swear I was thinking it in my head and then just didn't say it out loud. So great job. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. It. Sure sure you were, Allie. Sure you were. <laughs> I'm copying <laughs> off your paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This Some of these questions feel very self-serving now that we're looking at them in, in a row, but so we can just try to fly through some of these. But the next question is, what are your favorite things about each other's podcasts? Tell me how great I am, Matt. Return the favor. I, see, I, I felt the exact same way as, as you were reading this. I was like, man, this does feel self-serving. So I'm, I'll just I'll just do a quick little thing. Um, I think it's because of your journalism background. I think the one thing I've taken from your episodes is how good you are at asking um, asking questions. Specifically, how you're able to ask an insightful question with minimal words. I, on the other hand, you know, in kind of like in parallel with the name of my podcast, Rambling Runner, tend to ramble my questions out where I feel like you're very efficient with your words. And that's one thing that I've always tried to improve on. Well, it's funny you say that because when I started the show, I was maybe like 20 episodes in and I got an email from a listener that was like, oh my God, stop leading your guests into their answers. She's like, if you want to say how was your race today? Just say, how was your race today? Don't say, how was your race? Did you feel great? Or were you like kind of hurting? Just stop. And um, so that stuck with me. <laughs> so it took, took a little feedback, but uh, yeah, I'm getting there. And one thing that I love about you is I will go back to saying that you are willing to experiment and try different things. I remember when you launched Road to the Olympic Trials and I was like, that's cool. Like, that's a great idea. It's different. And so I love that your show, it never is stagnant, that you're willing to branch out and try things. And here we are. All right. So with that being said, do you ever get podcast envy? Um, so in the greater running space, well, I'll just say in the, not just the running space, um, I think that, yeah, it's easy to look at some of the really big shows out there that have studios and producers and teams and people doing their social media and making beautiful graphics. I am a I am a one woman show with an editor. So I guess I'm a one woman one man show. So I have an editor who helps piece together the episodes after I've recorded everything and then he sends it back and I do the like fine editing, the ums and the you know, a lot of people are like I call them clicky talkers where in between words they go so I edit that out because I don't like those. So I do that. But other than that, yeah, it's just me. And so I think that it's easy to look at some of the really big shows on iTunes and even the ones with a co-host. I'm like, oh, sometimes I wish I had a co-host so that I had someone to bounce ideas off of. And so, yeah, I think it um, it can be a little isolating when you work for yourself and sit in an office by yourself all day, which is what I do. And I I choose that life and I do love it. But I think the only place where I get podcast envy is I just sometimes feel like I'm sure many of us do is that I have huge dreams and oftentimes a lack of resources. Yeah, that's a really good answer. I didn't think of that answer and I'm jealous because that that is really good one. I kind of went immediately to guests. So, mm. you know, this is a, you know, this week would be a great one. Like um, Rich Roll had Lauren Fleshman on. And they had a wonderful conversation. I was like, oh, that was great. I wish I was the one doing that interview. That was so darn good. So I'll have those moments. And then occasionally, someone will have a guest on who's just really hard to get. And an example of this would be, you know, Lindsay Hine has had Jordan Hesse on and had really good conversations with her. And I'm like, wow, like that's a really hard guest to get. Congratulations to Lindsay for for getting her, but also for having such an engaging conversation. Like I re still remember it. I've told Lindsay this, where I remember where I was when I listened to her first conversation with Jordan. Like I remember parts of that run specifically because of where like the conversation was and going up this hill and hearing it. So even when I go like my normal drive to work, I'll be like, wow, this is where I was when I heard this episode with Lindsay. And yeah, that doesn't happen very often. But again, with her, like I've never had Jordan Hesse on. And you know, I know she has. And I'll have those moments of like, all right, I'm happy for Lindsay that she got that. At the same time, I wish I was able to be the host of that episode too. Have you tried to get Jordan though? Um, I she was one of the people that I reached out to for Road to the Olympic Trials. 
Okay. In retrospect, knowing what's happened since that time, it was probably a good move. <laughs> not great timing. Uh, part not to be part of it, um, considering all the stuff that's happened just in and around Nike and all of that stuff. And I think it kind of speaks for itself. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that was the that was the one time I did try. Again, uh, you know, before Road to the Olympic Trials, I was basically focused on amateurs. But that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, maybe I should interview pros. This conversation is great. <laughs> All right. What is the best perk of being a podcaster in the running world? Oh, see, that's a tough one. All right. For me, it's being able to, I haven't done this a ton, but I have done some live shows at Houston recently and a year, a little over a year ago, I did one at CIM. And the live shows are great, but it was actually being at the expo and bumping into so many people who have listened to the show. That was such like an unbelievable experience. And not because like they were excited to see me. They were so excited to tell me about the guests on the show that they really liked. So being able to commiserate with people in person that maybe I've had you know interactions with on social media or whatever, that was something that I didn't realize how much I would love. And I remember at CIM, like, oh my gosh, like this is like, it feels like a family reunion of sorts, like bumping into all of these people who I kind of know, but not really. And then being able to talk to them in, in this kind of community setting was such an awesome feeling. And again, going on those trips are hard and it's hard on your family and all that stuff, but it was so worth it in the moment. And it was such, for me, just a huge perk to be able to do something like that because Oftentimes, again, I don't do any of these conversations in person, so I'm really not connected, you know, strongly to the, not only the guests that I'm interviewing, nor the people who are consuming them. So getting that opportunity has always been a huge perk for me. Yeah, it's the community for me, hands down. It's the the messages that say, you changed my life. Like, What? I am sitting behind a microphone having conversations where I ask people where they had their first kiss. And then that something in these episodes resonates with people and whether it helps them get through their first 20 miler or, you know, encourages them when a race is getting hard. Um, it's always crazy to me when people say they listen to the show during a race because <laughs> I can think of nothing worse than hearing my own voice at like mile 22 of a marathon. I don't want to hear my voice. And so it's just really meaningful to know that people are listening and connecting and, and yeah, it's the community hands down. All right. We're running out of time. So I'm just going to skip to one more question. If you don't mind, Allie, because we've talked all right. about all the positives of this, of this endeavor, which is great. I, you know, there are a lot of positives to talk about. So I'm going to skip down to, have you had any bad podcast interviews or ones with significant technical errors? Yes. I have had a couple that were bad on the technical front, that's bound to happen. And I record some of mine in person, some of them over Skype, over Zoom, any method possible. And audio issues are not limited to the ones over Skype. They've happened in person too. So yeah, I've had technical issues for sure. Those I think that I can work around. I've had a couple of, yeah, I've had some like lapses in judgment where I thought people were someone different than who they really were. And you end up going through this hour-long conversation at the end, you have to decide or I had to decide, what do I do with this? Like, I was wrong. I just took an hour of someone's time. Do I air this? And that's hard. The technical stuff, whatever, I can get over, uh, you know, some sound issues and hopefully listeners can too. I know it's not ideal, of course, but my greater issue is when I realize I've maybe had a lapse of judgment or someone has said something that all of a sudden I'm like, oh, whoa, I didn't like that. Uh, that is, that's hard. That's something that's going to happen. Um, I would say it has only happened fewer than probably four times, maybe even less than that. But uh, yeah, it happens. I'm not giving any names. Obviously, I never will. Uh, but that happens. And I had to decide what to do with those episodes. So that's not fun. That That's a tough thing for sure. I, I've had, so I've had two technical errors that did not go well. I had one, this was very early on. I was interviewing a, a gentleman who did not have a smartphone. So we had to do laptop to laptop and I hadn't done one of those before. So I used this web-based service that I had never tried before. I thought it was all set. We did a, I think it was an hour and 20 minute interview. He had like a run streak of like 30,000 days or something. It was like this insane 
run streak. And he had just celebrated this anniversary of it. Like they had just named the town park after him. It was this wonderful, wonderful episode. Uh, wouldn't you know it? Only my side of the conversation recorded. No. The whole thing unusable. And it was like, I was so embarrassed that even he was like yeah. perfectly great about it. I was like, oh, recorded it again. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I was like, just so mortified. Um, You're like, I can't. I'm too busy hanging, burying my head in this hole over here. No audio down here. Exactly. All right. And then the first episode of Road Olympic Trials, not the first episode, but the first first episode I recorded, because I recorded them, released it July 1st. But I did, I recorded the first episode of each in June. So I did my first recording of an episode it was with Kellen Taylor. We had so much technical issues. Finally, we ironed them out. We're recording for 20 minutes. Things are going well. The call drops and the audio is erased. No. And it was the first episode of this new venture. Kellen is wonderful. And, you know, with her, like, she's just not, she's not the most talkative person. She's very reserved. She's very efficient with her words. But in that 20 minutes, she opened up to a degree that I was, you know, like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is going to be so good. Like, in the moment, I don't usually, like, go meta about how the conversation is going. But it was one of those moments. It was going so well. I was like, this is going to be unbelievable. And then that was the part of the conversation that we lost. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Is this whole thing doomed? Like, this is going to stink. I can't believe I have to tell Kellen Taylor that I just lost the entire conversation. But luckily, she was really good about it. But it was one of those moments of, like, of all the people to lose a conversation with, like, to lose it with Kellen was, like, like the the one I would ref- like I would choose first of which one I would not want to lose. Yeah, you never want that to happen with anyone, but I will say it's a little more horrifying when it does happen when you're recording with a pro or someone high profile. So, yeah, I've been there. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's not very good. All right. So, you know, we're 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 butting up against an hour now. Uh we don't want to, you know, subject our listeners to, to too much of, of our of our <laughs> ramblings. So what are you excited about for the next month or so? All right. Uh the trials. I know we've kind of really been hammering on this, but I'm excited. I know that we'll both be there. So I am doing a live show at the expo, which is going to be Friday, February 28th. It'll be at 10:15 a.m. Really excited to be there. I've never been to any type of Olympic trials, and so super pumped about being there. Uh, The live show, it's free, open to the public, with five amazing returning guests on the show. Sarah Cummings, who I mentioned earlier, Laddie Albertson-Jenkins, whose episode I just sobbed my way through. So um, yeah, excited to be there and then cheering. I I have nowhere I have to be during the race, so I'm just going to be screaming on the sidelines for two hours and some odd minutes. So that's what I'm excited about right now. There you go. So obviously that's, you know, my answer as well, but just to provide a different answer, since that kind of, you know, speaks for itself, like that's going to be so awesome. Um, I'm, I'm going to be extending the road to the Olympic trials podcast. So I reached out to a lot of people. I got a lot of feedback on it. We're going to basically March will be doing a lot of recaps of how the trials went, but then we're also going to look towards the, the track trials this summer. So we're going to extend it. Yeah. So right now I'm still gearing up exactly like, all right, are we going to follow certain people or is it going to be more of like, you know, a different person each episode? Still trying to figure out the logistics of it. But a lot of people reached out and um, I'm really excited to do just that. It's going to be really fun. And, you know, these conversations have been so enlightening. So I figure why limit it to just the marathon? Why not just keep it going? So exciting. And as we go forward with these episodes, everyone reach out, let us know what you thought of the format, the topics, obviously going forward, I think we'll do, you know, a a little less podcast chat. Cause like we joked this, some of this was a little self-serving, but Hey, if you're into that, let us know because we're like, we both said, we love this community and are excited to see it continue to grow and support each other. So let us know what you thought. And yeah, keep keep rambling and running. We need to come up with a, a sign-off, Matt. I know. We need it. We need a sign-off. All right. I guess in the meantime. All right. Thanks for joining me, Allie. I don't know. What, 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 what do you say here? Th- thanks, we'll figure out something for, catchy later. Thanks for rambling. Uh, thanks for how about thanks for rambling with us on the run. That works. I, we, we'll find something we'll better for it. February. <laughs> I was really confident. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Bye. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this new series, Ramblings on the Run with Allie and Matt. These episodes with Matt Chittam and me will be coming your way once a month, so make sure you're subscribed to both shows, The Alley on the Run Show and Matt's show, The Rambling Runner. That way you won't miss a thing. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alley on the Run One and in two places over on Facebook. There's the official Alley on the Run Facebook page, but there's also the Alley on the Run Show Best Running Friends group. It just might be the happiest, kindest, most supportive little corner of the internet. So come join the fun. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode and what you'd like more of going forward. We had so many more listener questions planned for this one, but we ran out of time. So I promise we will try to tighten things up a bit. That way we can get to more of what you want to hear. That's all for this one. Thank you so much for joining me on the run.